title of the message is Don't Hide the Wheat. Don't Hide the Wheat. Now, has anybody ever told you that you have potential? Come on, Victory Outreach. Has anybody ever told you you have potential? You know, you have potential to do, to become, and in your mind, you may not even recognize it, much less see it. When I came to this ministry, there was a young man that told me, you have potential. I didn't recognize it. I didn't see it. But it is here. The bottom line is something has to take place in order for that potential to flourish and fulfill its purpose. Go with me to the book of Judges, chapter 6. And as you go there, Jesus said this in John 12, 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Now, when you're in Judges 6, 11, say amen. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terminal tree, which was at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizrite. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you once again for your presence, for your glory, for your honor. God, for everything that you give us, God, we thank you as Victory Outreach. God, we're so grateful for what you have blessed us with, a calling, a vision. God, a time, a season, life strength, energy, a passion, giftings, and we could go on, God, but most of all, the potential that we all possess to become what you have called us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, tell your neighbor, don't hide the wheat. For the next few moments, I want to speak to you on something that is very well known to all of us. As I mentioned earlier, when I was told that I had potential, I, I didn't recognize it. I didn't even believe the guy. I didn't believe him. Because we're not brought up with such a outlook. I think many of us that walked the streets, we, we, were look, we were looked at, and it seemed like we were all that, but not all that. And we always look for a sense of belonging. If it was in the neighborhood, in the gangs, that's what we look for. If it was in drugs, if it was in the drug culture, that's what we look for. If it was whatever the case, success, materialism, whatever it was, we looked for acceptance. We looked for a place of belonging. But seldom did anybody ever tap into our potential. And here tonight, I want to speak to you for the next few moments on Yourself, myself, what we are, who we are, where we're at. You know, we're at a benchmark. We are at a, at a place in our ministry that we are looking forward to the future. When you speak to our founder there in Victory Outreach San Jose and the team and the church, and there, there's a, a shift that has taken place. And that shift automatically sends out a ripple effect. And that's why we're so excited about North Cal. We, we are excited about North Cal because God has raised up the ministries in this part of this 
state to do some great exploits, not just locally, not just regionally, but I'm talking worldwide. And we need God like we never needed him before. Now, he's brought us to this place. He's brought us to this point in this ministry. Many denominations at 40 years old begin to either make a decision to become a great organization or continue to thrust forward as a living organism. A long time ago, I attended a, a training, a seminar there in Orange County. There was a gentleman that was speaking, and he said, in, by, the year nine, uh, by the year 2015 or 2020, the denominations in this country pretty much well can be extinct. And as you look out at the landscape of Christianity in this United States, there's a lot of movement going on. You got the church planning movement, and then you got the multi-site movement. But all in all, it, it, it's just causing a ripple effect, and, it, and it's causing those that were raised in those denominations to take on their own individuality. Because pretty much denominational structures and, you know, churches are pretty much of the past. Honestly. If you look at all these great churches down in the Bible Belt, they all came from the Baptists. All these great preachers, all these mega churches, they all came from the Baptist movement. If you look up in the Northwest, you find a lot of Presbyterians that no longer call themselves Presbyterians. Now, why do I say that? I say that because God is doing something. We can't wait to see it. We all anticipate it. And we could look at what God wants to do, but seldom do we look at ourselves as God sees us. And so tonight I want to speak to you on this. Don't hide the wheat. If you look at the life of Gideon, you find that Gideon was about the daily business. But tonight I want to speak to you, number one, on your calling. Now you hear that a lot in Victory Outreach. I thank God for that. As Pastor Stefan said, when his mom and dad came up here, I said, well, Pogi, I guess that's what they do here. You know, they get you saved. They, you come in and they get you ready and they let you go. You come in an atmosphere like that. that this was in the early 80s. Pastor Gilbert was already up here. Pastor Ed was already up here. We're talking about expansion. So when you come into a culture, into an atmosphere where, where there's a vision and there's, there's clarity of it and there's, there's a moving forward, you, you, we can't tire of hearing about the calling. And I thank God for that. I thank God. If you're new to the ministry, you're going to hear about the vision and the calling over and over and over and over again. And you know why? Because people have a tendency to forget why God saved them. They get up fixed up. They don't drink no more. They don't gamble no more. They don't do all that stuff no more. And they anticipate that. As long as I go to church, I'm all right. But I'll tell you what. When Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross to die for our sins. Thank God that we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But if he's given us time here on this earth, he says this, he says, work while it is day, for night comes where no man can work. 
He tells us in the Gospel of John 12, 24, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. That's a calling for you and I. We can't keep what God has given us to ourselves. We become selfish sometimes, even in our Christianity. We become selfish with the comforts of knowing that we're going to heaven, knowing that we don't do what we used to do anymore, knowing that we could dress up on Sunday morning and go to church and attend a nice service and go out for lunch, and the day's gone, and we're ready to go to work the next day. That's okay. That's fine. But that's kind of a, a lifestyle that, that I don't think none of us could really be happy with. You know why? Because this ministry was birthed on fire. And this ministry continues on fire. And the calling of God upon this ministry means that you and I have stewardship of this vision that we're going to have to give an account. Number two, your potential. Your potential is great. You have a lot of potential. We all have a lot of potential. Combined together, we could do great exploits for God. But we got to tap into that potential. The man in the home, you walk in one way, you don't see yourself as being a man of potential. You see yourself as being through the grind. You've been there and done that. And there's a little bit of ray where if somebody tells you, you could become a great man of God, it takes you time to process because of what you've been through, what you've done. So your potential tonight is that it needs to be tapped into. You need to let go and let God do what he wants to do with you. And he does it not by coming down and having a private session with you. He does it through your leadership. He does it through relationships. He does it through the church structure. He does it by you going out to the highways and the byways and compelling people to come in. You know, the greatest person that could teach you a lesson on evangelism is the hardest person to come to Jesus. Because I guarantee you, when you go out and try to witness, what, what's, what's the average uh, response? Oh, come on. I know that already. Oh, I heard that already. Oh, man, why did you have to come? I'm a backslider. Hello. You don't go out there and say, hey, give your heart to Jesus. Oh, okay. Very seldom that it'll happen like that. And maybe it has. But what we're talking about here is your potential. And here's the beautiful thing about potential. The beautiful thing about potential, it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. It doesn't matter if you're a youngster. It doesn't matter if you've been seasoned or mature, like Pastor Stevan said. When he said 50 and turn around and tell your neighbor, man, you're going to be 50. I said, boy, I'm so glad because I passed 50 and I'm already 60. But what are we talking about? We're talking about potential, that my friends. Sometimes we look at the outer appearance and we limit ourselves to see the great potential. But God sees us in a whole different form. When God looks at us, he, he, he looks at the wonder of his design, of what he has created, of something that could become a transformation taking place, sanctification through the Holy Spirit. Oh, when God looks at you, he doesn't look at your flaws. He doesn't look at your mishaps. He doesn't look at what you've done wrong. He doesn't look at what you did yesterday. When God looks at you, he is proud of you. He he says, now that 
is my son. That is my daughter. Why? Because he looks at your potential of what you could become if you just let him. And then thirdly, your purpose. All of us have a purpose. Now, if you think your purpose is to come to church and sit in the pew, that's up to you. I don't believe God saved us to keep us in the four walls of the church. I believe that God, when God brings us together to worship him, to praise him, to testify, to declare, to use our gifts, to be able to encourage one another. But my friend, many of you be looking at the watch and saying, when is this preacher going to stop because I got to go to work tomorrow? Yes, tomorrow is your work day. And that's purpose. To the Christian, discovering your purpose is the life adventure. And the beautiful thing about purpose in God is that he takes you from glory to glory to glory. Now, if you would have been drinking coffee with me a year ago this month, and you would have said, Pastor Charlie, you're going to be in North Cal, I would say, you're a plum loco. <laughs> See how God works? Never say no. Never say no. Never say, oh, well, this is where I, this is where I stop. This is where, this is where it ends here. No, my friend. It does, you look at our founders. Look at their speed. Look at their passion. Look at their drive. Look at their vision. Right now, they're in South Cal. You know what they're doing? They're working on the, the conference and they're getting a, a, a motion picture ready, a full-length picture for us to celebrate 50 years. I'm talking about purpose. Somebody say Purpose. Now, if you think your purpose is just to come to church and to be a good Christian and you're happy with that, praise the Lord. But we're not going to take the world with a mentality and an attitude like that. We have to rise up and find what our purpose is and be expecting to God do a shift in your life so that when that purpose changes, you flow with it. You know why people don't change? Because they get used to what they do day to day. You know why people don't change? Because they're not tired of it yet. But let me give you an example. How many of you used to jail? Don't raise your hand. You got used to that. That was your lifestyle. That was your purpose. Go in, come out, go in, come out, go in, come out. And you were happy with that. That was the purpose of your life. But then God comes in the picture. I said God comes in the picture, and he has a ship that takes place. He sends a messenger. He sends a preacher. He sends somebody to witness to you. And, and, and got you at a most vulnerable time when you said, you know, enough is enough. I'm tired of this life. There got to be something more than this. And all of a sudden, you became a prime candidate for an encounter with God where all of a sudden, your eyes opened, your understanding took place, your heart opened, the hurt, the pain, and all the sorrow. All of a sudden, God came in and washed you, redeemed you, and oh, your purpose changed. You woke up in the morning. Wow, there is a sky. Wow, there are birds that are singing. Wow, I feel different. Wow, this is great. It feels great. 
I'm not high. Man, I could never imagine it was like this. All of a sudden, you have a, a difference, an outlook to life that was always there, but somehow you had never taken ownership of it. Purpose. Calling. Hmm? Potential. So are you ready to visit Gideon? Are you ready to visit Gideon for a few moments? Let's start with the calling. We are much acquainted when we hear about the calling of God in VO. This is 50-year mark for us. And it's a blessing that the calling continues. Can't get tired of the calling. Men in the home, don't you put that on. Don't, don't, don't ever think, oh, I heard that already. You know why that happens? That happens because you become too familiar and you love the familiarity of hearing it. And that's a danger in any church. In any movement, when we, come, when we become too familiar, when we take it for granted, oh, I know what he's going to preach about. He's going to preach about the vision. You're going to go to the regional service with Philip LaCruz. You're going to say, oh, I heard him speak so many times. And somewhere along the message, he's going to drop salvation. He's going to drop this. And he's also going to speak about the calling. And I thank God for this ministry that never tires of speaking about the calling of God. Because that puts you on a, on a platform that puts you on a springboard to say, is there a calling in my life? Was I born for truly something other than being born in a dysfunctional home? Living with a, with, without a mom and a dad? Becoming a, a teenager in the streets at the age of 11, 12 and doing things for myself? Is, is there surely something that I was born for? The calling of God upon our lives. What an honor. What a beauty. What a wonder for God to look down from heaven and say, I am going to send my son Jesus and he's going to get saved. She's going to get saved and they're going to hear my personal call upon their life. You got to love it. You got to love to hear the call. You got to love it for yourself and you got to love it for your brother or your sister. That's where the encouragement comes in. That's where the lifting up one another comes in. And Gideon finds himself in a place where we could clearly see how God called him. Number one, God knows where to find you. God knows where to find you. The scripture simply says, you know, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the turbinate tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abbas, right? In other words, he's talking about the setting. So here's Gideon, across the way. The angel comes, and he doesn't drive up and say, hey, Gideon, I'm here. The Bible says the angel sat across, observing just the way God's looking at you right now. Sitting in that pew. He knows what you're talking about. He knows exactly what you're thinking. He knows exactly what you had for lunch. And he knows exactly what you're wondering about tomorrow. 
The angel of the Lord sat. He was observing. Doesn't the Bible say that he looks to and fro? God has no problem in finding you. You always hear people, I was looking for, I was searching for God. I was looking for an answer. Oh, stop that. Yes, we were lost, clearly lost. But God all the time knew where we were. He was just waiting on us. So here's the number one point on your calling. God knows where to find you. He knew where to find you when you needed to get saved. That's why he rescued you out of that particular circumstance. That's why if you were crying out in jail, he came in and he saved you. That's why if you were running from the law, guess what? The law didn't catch up to you. God caught up to you. And he saved you. But I'm talking about the calling. I'm talking about the moment where it gets real personal. I'm talking about where God finds you either in the church house or outside of the church house. God has no boundaries, no limitations. He could go anywhere, show up anytime, day, night, hour, second, year. My friend, God knows where to find you. So don't you dare think that God's forgotten you because he hasn't. He knows where to find you. He knew where to find Gideon. He looked him up and said, I know exactly where he's at. Not only does he know where to find you, he sees what you're doing. <laughs> now, those of you that are real techies, your phones, have you ever left your app open to FaceTime? And then you press it and you're walking around. You think it's off, but you just call somebody, and they're saying, hello, 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 and you're all caught up in what you're doing, and you don't even know that they're looking at you right there on FaceTime. <laughs> it's dangerous, huh? These things are dangerous. These things are peligrosos, amigo. They are dangerous. They are dangerous. Huh? Your GPS, all of you that have a phone right now? On the board, on the grid, we're all here. Could you just see if we would show it on a screen right now? All these little dots right here in this address. Hello. God knows where to find you, and he knows what you're doing. Gideon was about his daily business. Just like you and I get about our daily business. And when the calling comes, he knows exactly what you're doing. So you look at the life of Gideon, and Gideon simply was carrying out responsibility. He knows what you are doing, and here's the beautiful part. He knows the time to speak to you. Could I give you a few examples? With Moses, he knew the time was right when the bush lit on fire, and it didn't consume he knew the time. When he looked at Jonah, taking a cruise the other way, huh? Got his picture when he got on the boat. Huh? Got his, you know, all expense card on the cruise. Have you ever been on one? Man, everything's free. You get all real happy not knowing that your wife or your husband already paid for it. But it feels good. Huh? But Jonah... 
went on that trip, and God knew when to speak to Jonah in the solitude, in the obscurity of a fish's stomach. He came at the right time. When God wants to speak to you, he knows exactly where you're at, what you're doing, and the time that he wants you to be spoken to. And tonight, God is speaking to you. God is telling you, you have potential. You have not answered the call. I am here to do something more than the ordinary day-to-day -day grind of being a Christian. Paul. Paul was about business too. Did all that mess. Persecuted all those Christians. One day he has this big idea, I'm going to do a little bit more. Have you ever thought about that? Man, I'm just going to do a little bit more. And on your way to doing a little bit more, God's timing comes. And Paul got spoken to. Why are you persecuting me? Wow. God doesn't talk to people. He talks to individuals. And through individuals, people listen. That's pretty deep, huh? Wow. Let me, let me climb out of there. Hold on. Why? Because any time that God wants to do something, he will always choose an individual to do it through. That's why in 1967, this ministry was birthed because God had already been working on this couple. It just didn't happen in 1967, and all of a sudden they got this big idea of saying, okay, let's start a ministry. No, take some steps backwards prior, chronologically speaking, and God had already been calling. He had already been seeing. He had already been looking at, at this precious couple. One was in New York. One was in East L.A., and all of a sudden God says, okay, I'm going to put some things into motion here that I've already had in my heart to do even before anything was out there. Could I talk to you tonight about how awesome God is? He just doesn't think about you today. He's thought about you all along, even before you were in your mother's womb already he had fashioned the days after you so when he desires to speak to you it's because it's his time all these men clearly heard the voice of God just like you can hear it tonight he knows the need and that's why he has called you to meet that need. See, it's never really about you. It's about somebody else. I thank God for Pastor Stephen's parents because they did something by their modeling that sowed the seed inside of us. And we grasp the truth that what this crazy church is all about <laughs> it's not about just having Sunday school. It's about taking it to the streets. It's about getting radical. It's about getting a bunch of men and women that have been there and done that, and they could go out and relate with somebody else. Do you hear the voice of God tonight? The call even. Why do you think God saved you? Why do you think he brought you to this church? 
Let me get a little bit more personal. Why, why do you think he has you here tonight? Because it's the thing to do on Thursday night? No, because it's God's time. <laughs> well, I mean, we get up in the morning. We, we go out about our day. We have our routine of going to work or, or in ministry. And, and it's another day. It's another day. It was another day for Gideon. But God showed up with the angel came and sat opposite, opposite, and he began to look at this young man. And he was busy. Oh, he wasn't being lazy. He was busy. He was working just like you are working, just like you are responsible to go and take care of your family, just like you're responsible to come to church on Thursday. I thank God for you this night. You know why? Because this is what God wants to tell you. This is what God is saying to us tonight. So it's not an ordinary Thursday night service. It's a God-meant moment where God is still calling. And those of you that know you're called, it's a reminder that we cannot stop talking about this precious calling. What an honor. What an honor to have the God of creation speak life into us. Use a ministry like this, proven through the ages. The decades of highs and lows, of pain and sorrow, of victories. A time of excellence, a time of excelling, a time of celebration. A time that you can encompass everything that we may understand and comprehend. But nevertheless, at the end of the day, God is still God and God is still calling you. The calling. Let's talk about the potential. Your potential. Verse 12 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Oh, come on, just take that in. The Lord is with you, heart of the bay. You are mighty. Who, me, Lord? Because that was Gideon's attitude. How many times has Pastor Stephen come up here and preach his heart out to you? <laughs> We're animated. Uh, everybody has a style. Aren't you glad for that? When they say Pastor Charlie's smooth. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I just get scared every time. They asked me one time, you still get nervous? You know, I get more nervous saying announcements than preaching a sermon. But that's when we look at ourselves. That's when we're just looking at ourselves as face value. But then when God gets in, the Holy Spirit came, the anointing. You're not working in the natural. You're working in the supernatural. It's, this is going down for eternity. This night is down on the archives of eternity as the night that Victory Outreach Heart of the Big got together for a Thursday night service and God said, you're called. You're still called. You still have potential. Ooh, child of God. See, what happens is that when God speaks to us and declares who we are in his eyes, in his heart, we don't recognize it. We don't recognize what we have until really we're told. 
See, if I tell you you have potential, you say, oh, yeah, you probably tell everybody that. That's what I say. But my disciple came to me and said, Charlie, you got a lot of potential to become a, a Bible study leader. Yeah, you probably tell everybody that anyways. Because I hear that in the church all over the place. You got potential. You got potential. We got potential. Everybody has potential. Pastor Sonny, get up and preach a message. You got potential. Because we're looking at the individual, the messenger. We're not hearing God. We don't recognize it. I don't think you're convinced tonight. I, I think some of, some of you here tonight are not convinced that you have this untapped potential that God has given you, that God wants to work with you. He wants to cultivate that relationship so that you could wake up in the morning. You can't get enough of him. You say, okay, what am I going to go do today? I know what I'm going to go do. I'm going to go do the will of God. But you got to recognize it. Not because I tell you or your pastor tells you. You got to recognize it because you've been in there. You know him. You heard of him. Job says, oh, man, I've heard of you so much, but today I see you. And that was at the expense of all his suffering, of all his loss, of all where even his wife said, come on, Job, let's go out. Curse God. Get out of that pity party. Just like any husband that's godly, didn't listen to her. All the men say amen to that? Okay. But here's the thing. If we don't recognize it when we're told by somebody, we got to recognize it because it's being told by God. And that's where the faith factor comes in. You need to believe it. I needed to believe it. I needed to believe that there was a, a calling in my life, and I needed to believe that I had potential. Because what I did in life didn't lead up to much. And I thank God that one day I came in, just like all of us come in, beaten down, confused, hurting. I don't think none of us come in like square pigs from Delaware here, be in the wrong church. We all come in with hurts sorrows and pains and regrets huh we all come in with past experiences of abuse dysfunction behavior that got us wrapped up in all that pharmaceuticals alcoholism gang violence what, what produces all that because we were being led astray nobody was coming and telling us listen you could become somebody Huh? Faith to believe. And faith to believe is simply this. If God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And let's me dive in. Let's just jump in. Why try to analyze anything? Why try to break it down and say, well, if we have A, B, C, and D, it will lead us to F, Y, and G. It don't work like that. When God says, listen, if you believe that I am, if you believe that I am, 
You got to believe who I am. That's what he says. That's what he tells us. If you believe who he is, my friend, that's the initiating factor of faith. And if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say to that mountain, speak to that mountain, declare to that mountain, be moved. Why? Because I said it? No, because I believe he has given me that inside of me and I'm speaking to that. Sometimes we settle for the status quo. Sometimes we settle for a mediocre Christianity. I guess that's the way it's going to be. A life of trials and tribulations. The acceptance of trials and tribulations. How are you doing, brother? I'm going through a trial. How are you doing today? I just came out of a trial. But I'm going straight into another one. So don't bother me. Because I'm on my way to heaven shouting victory through trials and tribulations. The book of Acts tells me through trials and tribulations we will enter into his kingdom. You never see the benefit of the trial and the tribulation. It's the school of preparation so that you can do greater things for God. But if you're caught up in the highway of trying to measure your speed, of trying to look at the stops, of trying to see how many curbs are coming up in the warning signs, you get wrapped up with the road. You got to get wrapped up with the one that's called you on that road. Are you hearing me? Potential. Say with me, potential. So what are the obstacles to believing and seeing? Well, in verse 13, the Bible says Gideon responds, and he says, oh, my Lord. He said, that's such like us. Oh, my Lord. God calls you. Huh? You come to a service. You come to a service like this. God speaks to you, and your response is, oh, my Lord. Here's all you're going to put out your resume of excuses. Well, I know you're speaking, Lord, but do you know by any chance that this is what I'm in right now? Listen to what Gideon says. He says, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, there it is, question number one. Are you here, God? Are you really here? After we leave this place, it's, Lights are out. Ain't nobody here. <laughs> Pews, furniture, carpet, equipment. Oh, but you're here. The Bible says you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So guess what? God is here. Doesn't determine by the walls. Doesn't determine by the signage or what we have, what we don't have, what we feel or not. God is God. And God is here. Where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. So listen, just turn around and tell your neighbors, me and you and Jesus. But look what he says. He starts by simply questioning. How many times does God speak to us and we answer by questioning? Oh, my Lord. If, are you really here? <laughs> are you really here? God, are you really here? Come on. Some of you walked in tonight. Is God really here? You're looking at the personalities. You're looking at, you're looking at flesh. You're looking at leadership. You're looking at, at the worship team. You're looking at your neighbor. I walked around and shake, tried to shake everybody's hand. Because if I shake your hand, guess what? I know God is here. Because at one time, nobody wanted to shake my hand. 
excuses, obstacles. He says, then why has all this happened to us? How many of you ever tried to blame God? Raise your hand. Come on, every single one of us. Raise your hand. If you don't raise your hand, you're lying. So shame the devil and tell the truth. At one time or another in our life, we want to blame God. Come on now. You're going to drive home and say, man, I should have raised my hand. <laughs> You're going to go to bed tonight and say, man, I should have raised my hand. I'm sorry, God. I should have raised my hand. <laughs> see, see how we all try to put up a front? Like, not me. Not him. <laughs> that got your attention, huh? I'll flow with it. Here's what preachers do. Every time the sound system goes wrong, they blame the devil. Don't blame the devil. Just get the technician right. That's all. You're doing a great job. Huh? <laughs> I used to tell them back in, in, in Chino, Pastor Charlie, man, every time we... Every time they have to talk to us, it's always because of bad news. I said, well, I'm here to tell you some good news. Do it right the next time. <laughs> Why has all this happened to us? Why did my child run away? Why did my husband go out and become unfaithful to me? Why am I in such a uh, financial strain and, and condition right now? Why this? Why that? Why this and why that? All of, us, all of us have a tendency to get cluttered all of a sudden when God is speaking futuristic calling upon our lives and we're wrapped up in the natural. We're wrapped up in the present and all we have to say to him is why. We're in the school of the Holy Ghost tonight. You know why? Because it's Thursday night, his night. And God has a precious calling upon you. And we're going to see it happen up here in North Cal. We're going to see expansion. We're going to see growth. We're going to see multiplication. We're going to see church plants. We're going to see the ultimate. We're going to see more missionaries. We're going to see more mega churches. We're going to see more salvations, more evangelism. Let's turn the city upside down. Why? Because God called us to that. As long as we stay in the four walls of the church, we will find every excuse under the sun as to why. Gideon was threshing at the wine press. He wasn't sitting at the feet of his mentor. He wasn't hearing what's the latest uprising against these Midianites. What's the plan? What's the battle cry against these foolish Midianites? He wasn't doing that. He had been conformed to a survival mode. He had been conformed to threshing wheat, nothing wrong with work. But why do you work? Well, I have to work, Pastor Charlie. I got 20 kids. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you for a job. But is that all? Could I tell you a little funny story about 20 kids? Side note. One time we were in Amsterdam. Pastor Sonny gets up there with all the churches in the in a conference, and he calls, calls me and Poggy up, and here we have Pastor.
Sister Charlie and Sister Pogi, they have 20 kids. I said, oh, Lord, have mercy. And you know that they believed him? And we had people lining up after the service saying, how do you do it with 20 kids, my brother? I said, not 20. Seven, ask Pogi. Huh? Are you hearing the message? The potential? Hmm? The potential we all have. But along with the potential, there's always the possibilities of making excuses. So what were his excuses? Well, number one, he was focused on current state of circumstances. Why is this all happening to us, God? Number two, he was comparing the past to the present and the future. Well, it was good when you moved in that time, God. But what about now? What have we done now? What is wrong with us now? And let me say this to any church. When a church starts focusing on self, it's the beginning of erosion. It's the beginning of just having erosion take place from the inside fiber of that church. And you know what compensates? is when new souls come in. It's when all of a sudden the spirit of evangelism hits the house. And I thank God for this church and I thank God for this ministry. That man, one thing we know is that evangelism is at a high priority. Everywhere we go, we got to tell somebody about Jesus. Everything we do has to tie in to a soul. Everything that we, when we open the doors of our church, yes, we may be a little loud, but that's nobody's business. Is God death? No, he's not. But man, when you got gratitude in you, when you got a, a passion in you, when you got something to say, when you got something to preach about, you got to shout it from the rooftops. Not only in the church house, but outside everywhere you go. Your barber ought to know about it. Your neighbor surely know about it. Listen, your teacher should know about it. Young people, you got to go out there and blab, put it on Facebook, tell everybody, Instagram, whatever the case may be, you got to put it out there. This is a great lesson to all of us. Because this is what we got to take care and protect. The calling of God. The potential that we have. We have man, look at this place. You, there's so much potential here. And you know why? Because this is good soil. This is fertile soil. How do you think all these churches happened up here in Northern Cal? Just because there's green all around? I've never seen so much green hills in my life. Man, even my car stays more clean, Pastor Gilbert. Let me be honest with you. I have not had to wash my car once since we've been here. Rain, 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 rain. You know what happens in L.A.? It rains and your car gets dirty because all the dirt has been sitting on it, all the smog. <laughs> Over here, my goodness, let them call us, let them call us farmers. Let them call us whatever they want to call us, but I'll tell you what, there is fertile soil here in North Cal, my friend. God is doing something out of the ordinary. There's a ship. There's a move. And it's rippling all over the place. And you know why? Because it's God's time. So excuses, yes, we may have them. But remember this. It doesn't matter what status you had like Gideon. I'm the least. I'm the young. I think God probably, after you give him all your excuses, probably <laughs> go, 
thinks I haven't heard it all. He thinks this is the first time I heard this. I've been hearing this for eons and eons. Hasn't changed. Our nature has not changed in the natural. You know what I thank God about Joshua in Joshua chapter 1? If we get ready to go somewhere, I'll tell you when. You know what I admire about Joshua? Joshua did not say a word in chapter 1. When God spoke to Joshua, he did not say one word. Now you go to Exodus chapter 3, the burning bush. It was all about Moses. He wasn't rapping. He was mumbling. He was making excuses. Who's going to go with me? Who's going to talk for me? You know, who do I tell him who sent me? Huh? And this and that and this and that and all excuses. Read it. In, cha in Joshua chapter 1, Joshua. And you know why? Because Joshua had learned from his leader. Not to do what's not productive. Huh? So excuses, let's wrap them up and let's put them on. Because we could give excuses to one another. But to God? To, to God? To say, really God? I mean, you have not made a mistake with me, have you? I mean, you know, you know who I am? You know what I've done? I mean, God, you see me last night. I'm not all that, God. I, I, I messed up. God, how, how, what do you see in me? I got news for you. I get up every morning. I look in the mirror and say, God, what do you see in me? Is that an excuse? No. That's simply a declaration that there's still potential. More potential. So excuses, let's wrap them up and throw them out. Lastly, your purpose. And this is where it gets real good. You ready? As the musicians come tonight, ready, please. In verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Hear the Spirit. Hear the Spirit. Time to go. Victory outreach is time to go. Time to go and do fulfill our purpose. It's time to get up. The pew's gotten too warm, huh? too comfortable. It's time to go. He says, Have I not? Have I not sent you? Here's the beautiful part. Based on your obedience tonight, it's either you go or you don't. Well, Pastor Charlie, what do you want me to do? I don't know. You know. I know what I got to do. I know what I got to do. I was telling Pogi this morning, man, this blows our mind. Every time we wake up, I say, whoa, we're here. People ask me, how long are you going to be there? I said, don't ask me that. How could I put a limit on God? How could I tell God, okay, God, I'm going to give you five years of my life. I'm 60. 60. I'm, I'll be 61 this September. So I got five years here, God. Is that good with you, God? You know what he does, but turn around and... Have I not sent you? Wow. 
for me? No, it's all of us. We're a family. Come on, now we're a family. It's all of us. All together. The richness. The richness of God's grace and mercy. Pastor Gilbert, you got more? Come on, man. Let's take another mountain. Like Caleb said, 40 years, man, you were with me. I, I was down strong as I was when I was 40. Come on now. We got to get on with this. We got to go. Nobody will ever know unless you tell them. Isn't that what the Bible says in Romans? How will they know unless the preacher comes? Sometimes we put preachers too much on the pulpit on church on Sunday. The greatest sermon everybody will have and read and see is your life. He says, Gideon, you're going to go out. save Israel. Go in your might. See, God will define your purpose. He was telling them, you shall save Israel. Defining the purpose. What is our purpose? Victory outreach. To go out to preach this gospel in every inner city of the world. That's our target. Tailor made for this ministry. Imagine God in heaven sitting on his throne said, okay, you know what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make a tailor-made vision just for these type of people. It ain't going to work over here. It ain't going to work over there. It's not going to work over there. But I know where it's going to work. So he sat. He seen. He heard the need. And he brought somebody to meet that need. It's always in the fulfillment of purpose. As you stand tonight, God will define your purpose. Here's the essence. Play softly, Ray, please. Here's the essence of why you can't hide the wheat. When Gideon was threshing at the wine press, he was getting his little much wheat. And the Bible says he was going to hide it from the Midianites. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And if you could come and get that grain of wheat in your life and snuff it out by making you think that this is all you have, my friend, you forfeit your potential. Because out of that wheat comes multiplication. So take it in whatever form you can want to take it tonight. Take that wheat. Don't you dare hide it from the enemy. You bring it out. You harvest it. Whatever. It's a sickle. It's a harvest. Whatever you want to call it. Whatever. Like Jesus said in the first scripture. Unless it falls to the ground. It remains alone. But if it dies. It will. It will. Victory outreach. Come on now. Come on. That balcony's waiting to get filled up there. Are you hearing? Are you hearing me? God called you. God called you. God called you. And God called you. Are they there? They're empty. But in the spirit. Revive. Sanda Rabba.
Makasa. Revive. Could you see? Could you see people going up the stairs, Pastor Stephen? Could you see him jumping up over there? Could you see him over there hitting the tiles? Hey, come on now, be cool. You know? <laughs> Could you see some people sneaking in through that exit side, the ex exit door over there? And it says up there, capacity 305 bedroom. Yeah, three outreach, ah, 600. The way we do it, just don't call the fire marshal. Don't you record this? Huh? Are you guys getting the picture? Potential. Potential. So that week, don't you dare hide it. Get on with it. Go. Highways, byways. Come on, you know somebody. How many know at least five people that need to be in church and get saved? Come on. Then let's get busy. Let's go out and tell them. Matthew 5.1, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Don't you dare hide your weed. Don't hide your light. Don't hide it. Don't hide it. The vision, the mission, is clearly the gospel. Here's the last point. Take ownership. Take ownership of what you've heard tonight. Take ownership. He said, have I not sent you? Have I not sent you? Have I not sent you? Victory Outreach. Has he not sent you to this city? Send his parents? You think that's old? You think that's outdated? Here's the other reality. There's a seed. There's a seed. There's a seed. So all I've done to come tonight is to water the seed.